valuations should be done on a yearly basis. If you're putting in 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week as a small business owner, well, you don't know if you've actually added value to your business, if actually you've actually created value. A valuation will tell you that. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my amazing guest, Brad Pratt. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Michelle, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this chat. Awesome. We're going to have fun. So give everybody the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Um, I am a appraiser or evaluation expert. So I'm one of the few appraisers in the world who can value all kinds of unique or interesting assets like um, the Alaskan Pipeline, the Golden Gate Bridge, um, the Brooklyn Bridge, or Uber, Airbnb, or if you have a trademark or a patent. Um, most assets need a valuation at some point in their lifetime. You know, could be for um, M&A or some kind of a deal or a transaction. Somebody's buying something or somebody's selling something. Or it could be for filing taxes. Um, Uncle Sam always wants his cut and to find out how much, how big of a cut you need to give Uncle Sam, you need to get an appraisal or evaluation. Um, or the third reason is for accounting. So say if you invested $100 in a company, you need to put it on your books that, hey, what is that $100 worth today or six months from now or 10 years from now? Um, and lastly, for insurance. Um, if you're going to insure um, a building or a bridge, um, you need to tell the insurance company what that bridge is worth. Um, and, you know, people like me do those types of valuations. Very cool. We are going to have a lot of fun with this because this is one of my favorite conversations because I think it's so painfully confusing for most business owners. I don't know why, but you would. <laughs> so we're going to get into that. Well, we'll see. <laughs> but before we get into that, how did you get into this as a particular occupation oh you know michelle uh <laughs> as, well, oh do we really oh, want to go there <laughs> i haven't even said anything yet <laughs> oh man that one i don't know if it went no, as, a young boy, as a young boy grown up in india not that yeah. early come on just, just I, I, you know, <laughs> I i would i would look at the stars and dream about coming to america and becoming an appraiser um, <laughs> said no one ever no <laughs> no uh, it was uh you know they say the four best things happen to you when you least expect them mm -hmm. and uh, this was my first job out of college and uh turned out i was half good at it um and they didn't fire me so i stuck with it so you had like a c plus average i did <laughs> i did <laughs> <laughs> and, and what education do you need to be an evaluator? Because I don't remember any course called valuations. And none, absolutely none. <laughs> Actually, in some cases, you don't even need to be a college graduate. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like an IT. Hey, right? that's pretty. Well, I think that's worth about a hundred grand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what like, I pay. 
kind of like in your world, right? I mean, <laughs> like in IT world, right? Or in marketing world, you know, yeah, you can have a degree from Harvard and all that, but technically you don't need any qualifications to do what you do. You just need experience, right? So, yeah, I mean, there are designations and there are certifications that you could get just like in IT or in marketing, but- so it, But is it a business thing or is it a stance thing? Is it a, a economics thing? Math? The clients like to know <laughs> that you have something with you're a shopaholic, alphabet, right? As an alphabet <laughs> soup, right after your name, right? The ABC, you know, in, in Michelle, comma ABC or Barat, comma X Y Z, you know, some designation. It's overrated. It is very much. curious as to how that whole thing pops up. So let's get into the. Um, the fun part of it, because to me, my experience with this is twofold. One is my mother's jewelry. The second is in business, when you go to sell the business, you want to know how much that's worth because uh, obviously if you want to sell it or obviously if you want to buy it. And I think the deliberation that I've experienced the most is when two parties come together, one wants to buy the company, one wants to sell it. The one that wants to sell is overvaluing and the one that wants to buy is undervaluing. So how do you uh, get accurate information and or is it just a split between, hey, you guys have to compromise kind of like real estate? I just take the average. Um, and no, um, <laughs> you know, that's always the case, right? I mean, there are some relationships. It doesn't matter which part of the world you're in or um, if it's a large transaction or if it's a small transaction, right? Like the um, daughter-in-law, mother-in-law relationship everywhere in the world is the same. The landlord-tenant relationship is the same everywhere in the world. The same way the buyer-seller relationship is pretty much the same everywhere in the world. The buyer you know, wants the lowest price and the seller wants the highest price. So um, the answer is somewhere in the middle. Now, where in the middle, that's what they pay me money to figure out. Very cool. So how do you go about figuring that out? Like I wouldn't, you say you can figure out the value of the Golden Gate Bridge, but like, <laughs> isn't that just dependent on how much it's going to cost to repair and <laughs> who's going to Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you know, it depends. So the first question I ask, Michelle, is always yeah. that, hey, uh, what, why do you need a valuation, right? An asset like the Golden Gate Bridge, you will never sell it or nobody will ever buy it. So why would you need a valuation? Well, you, for an asset like that, you need a valuation for two reasons. One could be for accounting. Mm -hmm. uh, so say if the bridge was built for say $35 million back in the day, what is that $35 million worth today? Um, um, or it could be for insurance that, hey, you called up AIG or Lloyds of London and said that, hey, I wanna insure this bridge for, um, for disaster or terrorism or earthquake. And they would say, well, how much you want to insure it for? And you'll say, well, we don't know. Well, let's call in Barat to tell us. Very cool. So what are some of the funner projects that you've worked on? Whatever fun might mean to you. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I have appraised the I Love New York campaign. You know, I Love New York, the T-shirts. Yeah. Um, that's actually a formal campaign. I mean, you know, people think that's just a colloquial or a folksy term come up with 
New Yorkers. Um, but it's not. It's very much a formal campaign. And then people think that that campaign is owned by the city of New York. And it's not. It is owned by the state of New York. So I have appraised that campaign. Um, I have appraised companies like Yahoo, um, Uber, Airbnb, um, you know, um, Global Crossing. You know, we're back in the day when, you know, Global Crossing meant something. Um, Salesforce was a client. Um, you know, so, I, so I've done, you know, weird assets like the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, but, you know, you don't appraise assets like that every day, right? You don't eat steak every day. Um, so, you know, the bread and butter are, you know, regular companies that might be, you know, doing 10 million, 50 million, 100 million in revenue. So let's talk about the I Love You campaign for a second, because that kind of fascinates me. Is that, say, patented or trademarked as a, as a marketing? It very much is. It, it is a trademark owned by the state of New York. Um, so the state of New York has been investing, you know, millions or billions of dollars in that campaign and making money off that campaign, too, and royalties. Um, and they wanted to know what that campaign is worth um, so that they can put it on their books for accounting. Um, so that's what I helped them with. Well, and I assume that that valuation would also help them with the royalties that they're charging. If somebody decides they want to open up a cart that says, you know, has a bunch of T-shirts on it, says, I love New York they obviously would have to pay royalties yes they would um but uh, you know i don't i did not tell them how much royalties to charge um i took the royalty that they are currently charging, charging. and backed into a number of the valuation very cool I'm, I'm not an expert at telling them how much royalty they should be charging that would be probably better off done by somebody in marketing like yourself oh sorry um somebody in <laughs> I technically I'm in the umbrella of marketing. It's all good. Yes. I'm in the industry of marketing. Yes. Um, all good and fair. So when it comes to doing projects, do you prefer to do like business valuations? Do you prefer to do assets? Is there any? I prefer to do unique, interesting assets. Actually, they're far more fun. I mean, you know, um, I could do things like a copper mine or a power plant or a dam, um, you know, you, weird, unique things that, you know, most other appraisers in my world, they don't know how to do, or they're scared to touch it with a 10 foot pole because they have no idea. Um, I, on the other hand, have, I've built my career in doing oddball things. So I'm not afraid to roll up my sleeves and really get into it that, okay, how does this work? What will we have to think about? What is it that really makes this asset tick? What's important here? Why do they need this valuation? You know, I ask those tough questions. People just like to do generic, you know, run-of-the-mill type of work. Yeah, I like the fascinating ones. I uh, recently, a friend of mine, it's relative, bought a piece of land with a dam on it that doesn't work and is taking it apart bit by bit and rebuilding it. And I thought that was fascinating. And then I heard another, <laughs> did another interview and he's like, yeah, I'm working on building a dam. And I'm like, wow, this seems to be like a real <laughs> business endeavor. I didn't realize that. I thought they were all, you know, state owned, country owned, whatever the case might've been, but. Well, they are. So I mean, you know, many of them are state or county or city owned or, um, but many of them are privately held as well. Um, a family came to me, they, they uh, 
owned a dam um, and they needed it valued. Um, and when they came to me and I said, yeah, I can do this. They were just so relieved. And I'm like, you know, why are you so happy? They're like, you know, every other person we spoke to, they wanted to appraise the land the dam is sitting on, but not the dam itself because they didn't know how to do it. And I said, look, I mean, I can do it. In fact, I mean, I could do the land too, but you don't need a valuation for the land. And as far as dam is concerned, think of it as just another heavy duty, specific use industrial building. That's all it is. It's just a heavy duty, specific use industrial building. How would you appraise a heavy duty specific use industrial building? That's how you would appraise a dam. Well, very cool. And would you take into account the um, potential income from said dam or just it itself? If there is a income stream from any of the benefits from the dam, yes, I will account for that as well. Very cool. Very cool. You got my brain reeling and I'm going six million directions. So that's a good thing. So when it comes to business valuations and assets that are in there, do you recommend that people do that on a regular basis? Do you recommend that people are assessing ahead of time if or they, they should have an exit plan? Or is it just when they go to sell or acquire that that happens? Well, think of it this way. When you go to school or you go to college, you get a report card at the end of the year or at the end of the semester. Why? So that you can continuously uh, monitor and improve uh, your progress. Uh, businesses usually get a valuation when shit hits the fan or if they need to do something major. Um, and by then it's too late. So if they were to be looking at their progress like a student with a report card or a GPA at the end of the semester, they would be far ahead in monitoring their business and business activities um, and improving them as and when needed so that they are ready for that big day. Uh, but nobody does that. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to stop until... Um, they do start doing it. They do start hiring people to, you know, the way they do audits or the way they do um, tax returns every year. Um, you know, valuations should be done on a yearly basis. If you're putting in 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week as a small business owner, well, you don't know if you've actually added value to your business, if actually you've actually created value. A valuation will tell you that. Very cool. And what kind of things in a business are you taking into account besides obviously the the hard assets of a company, the equipment leases, all that kind of fun jazz? I mean, it's really based on three things. Any valuation is very simple. It's based on three factors or the three primary methods. I call them the primary colors. Um, and, you know, if anybody tells you otherwise, they might say, oh, no, there are five methods. There are seven methods. There are 10 methods. It's called bullshit on it, right? <laughs> kind of like primary colors, right? I mean, these are the primary colors and every other color is a derivative of two or three of these. Similarly, these are the three primary methods and all other methods are derivatives of these three methods, um, and the three methods are one is income approach, where you are um, taking the cash flow or the income benefits from that asset, whatever that asset is, 
and projecting that out to two years, five years, 10 years, what have you, um, and present valuing it to today. That's one way of doing it. The second way of looking at it is um, my house is exactly the same as my neighbor's house. And say my, if my neighbor's house is worth $100, my house is worth $100, right? That's called the sales comparison method. Or the third method is, you know, hey, it costs them $50 to make my neighbor's house, which is very similar to my house. It would cost probably $50 to build my house, something like that. Very cool. So is there a difference in valuations? Let's take something obscure like a, an influencer. Let's say, hmm. say somebody's a YouTube influencer. They're making their money off their YouTube channel. They've got their 100,000 viewers or whatever, uh, subscribers. Would the valuation of that company, let's call it, um, be different if they were to insure that, that business? Again, say YouTube shutting them down one day and going, hey, I need to know because we have to go talk to YouTube versus somebody that's going to buy that business. Um, you can't buy insurance uh, for something like that, um, at least not as of yet. Um, the, the value really only comes from if there is some kind of a income associated with the YouTube channel or if the YouTube channel is bringing you certain amount of leads or funneling so much traffic to your website, which is converting to so-and-so. If you can help quantify, help me quantify that sales funnel, um, I can value your YouTube channel. Now, if you just have 5 million subscribers and no income, well, then it just becomes like, okay, what was the last YouTube channel sold for, which had close to 5 million subscribers. If there was a transaction like that, which was documented, you know, or it really comes down to, hey, how much do you think you can get for it? You know, you take what you can get. You know what Did I mean? you get any offers? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a magic eight ball. You know, many times it's just that. The beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. Who am I to say? And I think it's a fascinating um, journey because to me, I'm an 80s child, and business to me was always business. It's your your assets are your client base. Your you know, do you have their name, their number? Do you know how to get a hold of them? <laughs> can you market yeah. to them? Uh, and you know, how much money have they spent in the last year? And can you get them to spend it again next year? And it's all very tangible to me. And uh, but I see the a lot of not so much SaaS platforms because uh, software as a service is obviously you know, money is being generated and it's coming in. But there, there was a period there where there was a lot of companies that ran on air. It was like, what the hell are you selling? Like, there's <laughs> well, there still are many companies that are running on air, on fumes or vacuum, I should say. <laughs> I was like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have a clue how to value something that's, you know, so obscured that you don't know. And if it's a fad, say like pongs, right? You're making little pictures out of cardboard and selling them for $5. Awesome business model, but how long is it going to last? And is it actually, you know, sellable? Is it going to, you know, are kids going to be buying this next month or are they going to be buying the next little gadget widget gadget? No, you spoke like a true businesswoman. Um, you know, uh, uh, a business is worth when a, a business is worth a lot or money when you have the same customer writing you checks 
again and again and again, monthly, weekly, quarterly, yearly. If you have to go out and find a new customer on a daily basis, well, that's really not much of a business. Um, I'll tell you how. I was having drinks with a personal injury attorney um, last week. And uh, that's exactly what I asked her. I said, you know, in your business, you got to go out and find a new customer every day. She's like, yeah, I do. You know, that's why I got to be really good at marketing. I mean, you know, we met at a cocktail party and she was wearing this beautiful red dress. And I can see why she would need to wear that red dress because she needs attention. I mean, she, right? you know, she was gorgeous too, but that doesn't, that you know, helps. doesn't hurt. <laughs> but, but, you know, I can see that she has to go out and hunt for a new customer every day. I mean, you know, what are the odds of the same guy or the same family getting injured twice or injured get, or getting injured so badly? That you really want to follow you. those ones. How many times have you been hit by lightning? Yeah. It's awesome. Like, so can I get your name? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, that's not going to sit too well in front of a judge, even if that does happen. And if you're too lucky to have that, that's probably not the case you want anyway. Because, you know, these guys are kind of like bounty hunters, right? I mean, you know, they are investing their money and they only get paid on success fee. Um, so, you know, that's a terrible business model. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things. They, hey, if they make money, they make like $40, $40 million for one case. Right. I mean, you know, that also happens. So um, so a, a business model is very important when it comes to valuations and um, stickiness of customers is most crucial. Cool. So in your experience, is there anything obviously we just said the stickiness of a business. So if we can change a business model in order to create reoccurring revenue to create um something where you're actually collecting people's information so that you can retarget and market them, which I find phenomenal that most people, well, a lot of businesses don't do. They're out, they find them and they get them and they just, and then they're done. And it's like, and they don't have the technology to follow up with any of their past clients. That's not their concern. It's, and I'm like, don't you know that that's the highest cost of acqu is acquisition? Like, <laughs> why would you do that? I don't understand. But anyways, um, back to you. What, what are some of the things that businesses can do to improve the, the value of their company? There are really only two things one needs to do to increase the value of the company. And if somebody tells you otherwise, call bullshit on it because every other way is a derivative from these two. One is create stickiness, as in recurring revenue. Now, it's the same customer paying you again and again and again. That's ideal. Um, because potential buyers of your company, um, they don't want to be going out and hunting for new customers daily. I mean, that is why um, Microsoft and all these other software vendors, they went away from sending you CDs of Microsoft Excel and moved to cloud. Because with cloud, they can charge you on a monthly, yearly basis. And that's why SaaS companies are so successful because they charge your credit card every month, every year, every quarter. That's why SaaS is great, stickiness. Well, the second thing is you need to service that customer or that client using automation or processes and policies in place. Now that could be multiple levers, layers of management, which can get expensive and that only works for large companies or if you have so much money coming in. Or coming to your neck of the woods in technology, using automation, technology, marketing, you know, how, how much, 
I mean, do you have a thousand people, you know, and some people might get a kick out of that, right? That, hey, I got a thousand people working for me. I would rather have five people working for me and then doing work for a thousand people. And we're all making shitload of money instead of paying a thousand person payroll, right? I mean, that's where technology comes in, right? That That's where the one-to-many scale comes in, you know, with software like Infusionsoft, Kajabi, Salesforce, what have you. Awesome. So what do you think some of the mistakes are that people make um, in business before they go out and get evaluation that, that it's like, wow, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Any of those? Um, uh, boy. Um, people just have terrible business problems. I mean, you know, they, <laughs> they, 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 they just, they just want to say, Hey, you know, I want to get $6 million for my business. Why? Because that's what I need to retire on. I'm like, look, a buyer is not going to buy that. You know, it's kind of like, you know, trying to look for a job and saying that, hey, I need to, you know, make a million dollars a year. Why? Well, because that's what I need to survive. Okay. That's logical. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you can't say that. I mean, you have to come up with logical reasons or the other logic they come up with. My neighbor's cousin's wife sold her business for 6x. So my business is worth at least, at least 8x. Okay, that's really logical too. Uh, I mean, that makes no sense. I mean, you know, we don't know what that business sold for. We don't know what the ins and outs were. We don't know how similar or different your business is from that business. Um, so just don't have too many preconceived thoughts going into it. Do your homework, do your diligence, and be realistic. And then, and the worst mistake people make is people think that if you're trying to sell your business for $6 million, you think somebody's going to just cut you a check for $6 million and you get to walk away. That never happens. I mean, it's not like selling a house, right? I mean, there are always some kind of earnouts or some kind of employment contract or something, because, you know, if you're selling a house, you don't do anything for to the house for a month. Not much is going to happen to the house. Of course, you're in Calgary, Canada. Um, but if you didn't do anything to your business for a month, your business can fall apart within a month. So you got to be, you know, hands-on all the time. Um, so it, it's very important for business owners who want to sell their businesses to realize that um, they just won't get a check and they get to walk away into oblivion. They're going to have some strings attached. Well, and that brings up a good point, because I do think a lot of businesses are like, oh, okay, I want to retire in five years. So in five years, they get the valuation, and then they start looking for somebody to buy them out, not thinking, oh, they should probably be doing that now. Very much so. It's kind of like, uh, you know, sending your kids to college, right? I mean, you don't wake up, uh, you know, in August of senior year <laughs> and say that I'm going to send Jimmy to college next year. Dude, that that's that that's not how this works. You got to figure out the applications. You got to figure out your test scores. You know your essays, your extracurriculars, everything. I mean, you got to start all that. Hopefully, you know as soon as you conceive. Um, but you know nobody does that, right? Or okay, fine, maybe not. Conceive. People listening are they? They're definitely going to. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not conceive, but at least you know as soon as you start high school. Um, and, and, you know, that's also goes into college planning, financial planning, you know, you can't just, 
you know, you know, unless you're, you know, Elon Musk, you can't just write a check for going to college and buy the college. Um, you know, you got to plan it out. So that's most crucial. Awesome. So what might somebody be thinking right now when they're going, oh my God, Brett, I need you so badly. What kind of stumbling blocks are they going through? Uh, my ex-girlfriend used to say that. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mind you, I didn't say wife. Um, <laughs> I hope she still does. <laughs> <laughs> She's not here. Um, what was the question? <laughs> what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now? <laughs> Okay, I have another show. I'll talk to you about that when we get off of this one. We got to have you on that show. All right. So, not to distract you. So, what are um, what are some of the stumbling blocks somebody's having right now? If, if somebody is looking to sell their business, or if somebody is looking to get a valuation for some maybe insurance or some kind of a tax um, problem, um, call me. Or even if we are not able to help you. I am also on the board of American Society of Appraisers. So if I cannot help you, I can refer you to some of the best appraisers in the world. Uh, that could be an art appraiser, that could be a real estate appraiser, that could be a uh, jewelry appraiser. Um, you know, we have all kinds of appraisers I work with, and I'm happy to share my Rolodex with you. Nice. And that does bring up the question, I assume, um, that anything that can be appraised, you can do in any country. Am I right? Yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, as I said, um, you know, assets are very similar most places. Yeah, there are some local nuances that you got to account for, um, but uh, all in all, it's the same. You know, chicken is chicken everywhere, right? I mean, it depends on what seasoning and how you cook it, but chicken is chicken. Yep, it is. Awesome. So I know that some of our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Uh, the best way to reach out to me is uh, go to my YouTube channel and uh, on, under the about page, uh, there's a link to how you can reach out to me. If you have a question, feel free to send an email. I'm always to answer your questions. Very cool. And we will have um, your contact information in the show notes as well. So uh, your YouTube channel, especially. So be sure to click on the show notes. If you're not there right now, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog and look for Brett or valuation or selling companies, exit strategies, all that kind of fun jazz, and you will find them there. Awesome. So I do have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to become an entrepreneur? Um, you know, I used to help entrepreneurs all the time and I would speak with them. I'm like, this guy's an idiot. Seriously, how much money did he raise? Wait, what? How many people are working for him or her? I'm like, she made me. She's like, they're not good. I'm like, if that guy can do it, I can do it. You know, most people just think about it. I was just stupid enough to pull the trigger. <laughs> I love that. So it's it's the superiority complex that'll get you into entrepreneurship oh, yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> That's awesome. You've been fabulous, Brad. Any last words for our peeps? Um, no. Uh, this is <laughs> no. Thank you for having me. We're done. done. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're done. Me. <laughs> <laughs> You're hilarious and awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. I know how valuable it is. So, thank you for being here with us.
Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.